Well, good morning from a boiling hot hotel room. Uh, I'm pretty hangover. It's Tuesday morning because the real after party was apparently Monday evening. Joe, how are you feeling, mate? I'm not feeling too bad. Probably not as rough as you. Um, you had a pretty late one last night, didn't you? Yeah, you, uh, you, you've got the next big one coming up and uh, I, I just wanted to give it, give it one big final push. As um, I mean, this was my first real proper, proper night out since what I think two years, three years. Um, there were so many junkyard dogs. Scott Bevel was in there and uh, he absolutely killed us when he got 30 Jaeger bombs. Um, and then all them junkyard dogs kept coming back with like tequila shots and uh, Bacardi Coke. I uh, made, I came home in my hotel room. Well, uh, I was brought home by a junkyard dog <laughs> and uh, that was actually pretty friendly. And then it was like I was sitting in a Ferris wheel. Do you know, do you know that feeling? If you drank too much, like I haven't had, mate, my hat was spinning. I haven't had that in years and years. And then, oh, I'll, I'll save you the details, but I woke up in the bathroom and uh, yeah, it was a rough night. Anyway, um, I think today we, um, we're going to do the podcast about Arma in South Africa. We're going to talk about a couple of age group stories um our races and uh yeah basically uh that really starting off any highs and lows you reckon you got uh, god highs and lows yeah i mean the high biggest high was all the all the barks we got on course like from people that listen to the uh podcast like and leading up to the race the support all week was awesome so that's definitely a massive high for me how many barks do you think you got on course like it was absolutely nuts loads, wasn't it absolutely loads yeah loads. i think maybe and i'm not i'm not exaggerating 40 people yeah, yeah, I reckon um, a good 40 people, absolutely loads. So thanks for everyone um, for the support, like it was awesome. Yeah, that was uh, was massive, made me laugh. And I must be thinking, like, if you're a spectator and you see other people, like, from all, all kinds of uh, parts of the streets barking do like dogs, it's, it must be pretty funny. Yeah, you'd be wondering what they're, <laughs> like, is there something wrong with the person you're standing next to, really? Why is he barking like a dog? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, all right, so that's a massive high. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely a massive high. What, what about, have you got any lows then? Um, well, disappointed with fourth place, really. I'd say that's a bit of a low, but... I'll get into that. We'll get into the race a bit more later. Um, other than that, not really, like, because it was just preparing for the race, wasn't it? Everything went smooth in the build-up. Well, for me, it did anyway. Mm -hmm. um, so not really got any any low, like, any big distinct lows, really. No, me, uh, I don't think, um, yeah, apart from, like, the race, it was a race-specific week, wasn't it? Yeah. Not really any highs and lows or that. Um, let's just start off, start off with the... Um, with the race, um, so coming down to the race, or do you want to say anything in the build up to it first, or? Um, well, it all went smooth really in the build up, but basically all the action happened on race day because it was meant to be start at six thirty, and then when we're getting down there, uh, or when we're there, all getting ready in transition. Actually, I, I think we'd already been kicked out of transition, and we like to do the bikes, so it must have been about six, gone six. And then the swim, there was the news that the swim had got cancelled, weren't there? Mm -hmm. Or change, you know, yeah, yeah. we didn't know what had happened. It was either going to get cancelled or they were going to shorten the course. Um, and then a bit later, um, or I guess maybe 10 minutes later, 20 past, um, quarter past, something like that, they said there's going to be a 700 metre swim for the for the pro men and then no swim for the um, for the age group. So that kind of changed things um, massively, didn't it? Like Yeah, it with. did. And... I, I've had so many people thinking like, oh, the mozzarella must be so happy, a short swim, because um, then the deficit will be really small. But then the thing is, because the swim is so short, it doesn't really break it up in the front. If you get massive groups, 
Uh, and I'd, I'd, I'd rather have either no swim or a full swim. Yeah, like the swim, you'd think it would be quite good for um, people if you're not normally like in, at the front in the swim. But actually, it basically suits people. Like if you'd have asked me before the race, would a shorter swim, would I have thought a shorter swim would have been positive? You'd kind of think, oh, maybe, yeah, it probably would be positive because you're going to get to the front quicker. But then at the end of the day, it's not necessarily about getting to the front of the race quicker. It's about how can you put time into your biggest rivals, you know, and who are your biggest rivals and what are their strengths and weaknesses? So basically with the 700 meter swim, or like it literally was eight minutes. I looked at the time split, first person out the walk was like eight minutes. So it was an eight minute swim. So the time gaps are all so small, you know, you're literally coming out of transition, it's one massive line, but then you get onto the bike and then there was a huge, I mean, if you look at the results on the tracker, it doesn't really tell the full story because a lot of people DNF. So they're tight, they get removed from the tracker. So it looks like there was only about 12 or 13 people in the, in the, at the start, but it wasn't the case. There was a good 25 people, I reckon that were like 20 to 25 people that were all in one massive line. So basically sitting in, in that big pace line, you're saving so much energy, but then to get off the front is so hard because you can put a dig in, someone can try and close you down. And then if they tire, there's always someone else that will be prepared to do and, the work. Uh, it were the conditions, wasn't it? So it was a, either, uh, there wasn't a massive tailwind because that was the sheltered bit. And then well, the, on the, the open bit. was on the way out, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was like, on the way out. Fast. So a tailwind on the way out, but it wasn't a hard tailwind because it was all a bit sheltered, wasn't it? By trees and all that. And then on the way back, it's on the open beachfront. It's a massive headwind. So if you're sitting in a uh, pace line on a legal distance, you'd still have a massive advances, especially if you've got a really, really strong headwind, because that was a massive strong headwind, wasn't it? Yeah, on the headwind bit, it was like, I, I, like, you couldn't, there was, it would be pretty much impossible to get away because you could put a dig in, but then for people sitting in behind, the, the power saving, they say was absolutely huge because you just were such a big wind block. So you, if you wanted to break away, you ideally needed to get a gap before the tailwind, before the headwind bit. So you were kind of, you'd broken the elastic and then you could really like plow on at your own pace. And uh, you would, if you, if you could get away, you would have put absolutely chunks of time into people, but it was just incredibly hard to get away. And a few times I kept like almost breaking the elastic. I literally would look back and I'd have about 150, 200 meters. And I thought, yes, I'm away. And then got, unfortunately it just kept getting brought back. But I kind of like, it made me like, live it like kept thinking like maybe the next one will be the one that sticks because it seems like i'm almost getting away this time and then it wasn't to be it kept getting brought back and uh yeah unfortunately ended up like cooking my legs a bit i mean it was weird because i've done bikes like that before where i've bikes that hard and felt like that coming off the bike and i actually felt pretty good coming off the bike but i just didn't have my run legs like i got off and like instantly within like 600 meters 500 meters you kind of knew because sometimes you can start off and initially they don't feel too good but they come back to you pretty quick but i just felt a bit depleted and my legs just felt not great like from the start which was a massive shame because then i knew it was all the only way i was going to get a result really uh, like a really good result was if the guys in front went out too hard and blew up but unfortunately none of them did the only guy that did was jesper svensson i got away with him at the end of the bike but we only put 20 seconds into the guys because if you got away in the tailwind, you couldn't put any time into people, could you? Because it was like so fast, you know, you might be mm -hmm. working hard going 52 kilometers an hour. They're cruising at 47, 48. So you do that for 10K and all of a sudden you've only got 15 seconds, but you've had to work a lot harder. So um, I think the wind made it e easier for the groups to stay together. I, mm -hmm. You would kind of think like it would be easy to split up, but also how sketchy were some of them descents in the wind with the oh, crosswinds? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that my was God. pretty uh, sketchy. Uh, 
I mate, I just um, I heard it was a seven hundred meter swim. Well, it was a bit got a bit that cancelled the full swim or just do a full swim. But um, I I was running towards the water and I was literally off the front, mate. I was off the front <laughs> in the sprint. Were you off the but front? Then, were you were you ahead of everyone getting into the water? Yeah, I was with Bradley Wise. He was yeah. like a fast a fast sprinter. And then I saw him going like boom, diving like in the wave. Yeah. And then I was thinking like, oh fuck, is that what we're doing? And literally at that moment, that wave collapsed on my head. I was like, oh my God, it's gonna be you can literally watch the live stream uh, back and you can just see uh, I think within 50 meters, I've already lost like 50 meters. It's absolutely crazy just because, uh, and, and that's the thing, I've, I've been practicing loads with the kids, but that was in the pool, wasn't it? Like we, uh, I haven't swum in waves like that. It's, it's, uh, so sometimes I can see that I'm lacking experience. And so that's, of course, something that I'm taking away from this race, like that swim uh, uh, in these conditions. That is a, a skill, isn't it? And uh, that's how you uh, learn, learn by doing. Um, do you think the swim should have got cancelled though? Mm, like, well, I found it pretty, uh, and I'm like a uh, professional, I find it pretty dodgy, but that was because did I didn't really do it right. Like I had to go through the waves apparently, not over it. And um, that's why, because I uh, there was a wave that collapsed on my head and then I got like water in me. So and then you're trying to like breathe. But then the next wave is coming. So you're kind of uh, uh, getting a bit into survival mode. But I was like, all right, after a bit. But imagine if you're like an age grouper and uh, you can't hardly Yeah, but swim. for the pros, do you think it should have been on? Like, uh, I think for the pros, in the end, it could have been longer because the further you went out on sea, it, would, it, it was better, wasn't it? Just offshore, the worst it was, bit like, was mega rough. The worst bit was going through the wave break. But like from talking to all the other pros, like, I've got a couple of scenarios that I think they could have done that would have made it better. First of all, we had a 700-meter course, which was basically like, well, they said 700 meters. It looked shorter than 700, didn't it look? But I don't know. Who I knows what it was? Real. It lasted eight minutes anyway, but it was basically what looked like 100 or so metres, maybe 150 metres mm -hmm. out, 300 metres across, and then maybe, what, 150 metres back in, do you reckon? Something like Something that, like yeah. that. Um, And the worst bit was going out through the wave, through the, break in, the wave break. But once mm -hmm. you kind of got past them, it wasn't too bad. I mean, you had to, you couldn't swim where you put your head down and swim a lot because you had to keep, you had to have your wits about you to make sure you are on track, didn't you? Mm -hmm. So it was kind of a bit tricky like that. But I think we could have, done multiple laps of this course so you kind of once you get back into land you could run like say three 200 meters back round like say a boy or something on the beach and mm -hmm. then you jump back into the sea and you could have done say three laps of that which if we took eight minutes for the first one say that would have been a 30 minute swim plus a few minutes of running you're probably talking like 35 minutes but that would have been absolutely fine and at the end of the day we are professional athletes you know so mm -hmm. like we should be doing something like that we've all trained hard and if you and also that would have broken the race up massively which would have to be honest it would have helped me a lot because then it would have been everyone in smaller groups and everyone would have to work a lot harder it would have probably suited tom but then also people at the front so for instance like jesper svensson he would normally get out the water ahead of people and then he would be plowing along at the front by himself putting time into the chasers behind and then that would have made some of the people that wanted to back their run because people like bradley vice and maybe like carl buckingham they're plan was keep near the front or as close to the front as possible try and save your energy to the run so having that swim which would have broken it up would have made them question themselves like do i stay in the group that i'm in and wait for maybe people like me to come through and then try and jump on the back of me or do they work hard at the start of the swim and try and bridge up to jesper svensson or do they not worry about jesper svensson thinking that he might blow up on the run 
It's um, just this different tactics. Yeah, like, it just makes... Because now, um, I mean, it, what you said, like you said, seven-minute swim, and you've got 30 pros. Um, so they're all so close together, aren't they? Yeah. Um, well, um, um, not... But also, and then, so, and then a couple of the other ideas that we had were basically about three days before the race or four days, the rumour was the swim could get cancelled. Like all the locals were like, the wind's going to be coming from the, the uh, direction, Neasley direction. That's normally a real dodgy direction. The swim's looking like to be cancelled, weren't they? That's what they were saying. Exactly. We were like, surely not, because in the lead-up to the race, it was obviously coming from the west, and the water was perfect for swimming in, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Every day, like, yeah, it, it was, was like, calm. And even the, the ironic thing is, the day after the race, the water was, like, perfect. It was literally just almost like a fluke day where the weather was so bad. But the thing is, because they knew this was coming, Surely you could have a plan B. And I thought of a couple of things that they could do for the plan B. And um, one of them would have been like, potentially they could have got the pros and we could have gone to the pool on the Saturday. And they could have said, all right, the swim's looking horrific. This was probably the worst one of the plans. The swim's looking horrific. We're going to go into the pool. These are, You pick numbers out of a hat for like, say, heat one, six people get picked out, heat two, another six. And basically say there's 30 male pros, so it'd be five goes the first people would do 3.8k swim in newton park the 50 meter pool at say whatever time you know 9 a.m next group at 10 a.m and then on sunday you start off on the bike at the time so the fastest swimmer says 48 minutes he starts then say the next fastest swimmer is 48 20 he starts 20 seconds behind mm -hmm. that could have been like an option like knowing what the weather's like so that would have been assuming that the rate that was going to be terrible the race is going to get cancelled and then the other option would have been this is just for the pros, by the way, because of the times when we start and everything. The weather was looking a lot better on the forecast. Like you could see it was 10 mile per hour winds later on in the day. And it looked like the sun was going to come out. Like that was what you could see on the weather forecast when you looked. So potentially they could have said to us the day before, all right, guys, the weather's looking terrible for you pros. We're going to start you at 10 a.m. because the weather looks a lot better then. Mm -hmm. And worst case scenario, if we did start at 10 a.m., like or say best case scenario we could have done the full 3.8k swim because at the end of the day we're all out there for roughly between eight or nine hours so if we started at 10 a.m we're going to be on the course as the sun's setting most of the age groupers are going to be off the bike course which would make it a lot less congested and you're kind of sharing the course with more of the age groups on the run the atmosphere would have been awesome you know the people that were spectating their friends would have seen the pros like out there finishing at similar times and i think that could have been really that could have been really cool and great to watch and then Worst case scenario, if we did try and start at 10, but the weather didn't change, then we could just start off with a bike and a run, or the same as what we were before, and it still wouldn't have had any impact. Well, it is, uh, in the end, what it is, and uh, um, everyone's saying, like, oh, so, so many years after, but it's just really unlucky here in Port Elizabeth with that wind, because the whole week it was fine, and then boom. Yeah, but you um, need to have a plan B, though. Yeah, right, yeah, when yeah, you true. But anyway, yeah, that's, um, that's a shame. So I came out of the water, and then I knew... I was uh, I was two minutes down when I came on on the bike um, and I just um, well I had a really good bike that day like I I, I knew I was in good bike form and I, uh, I managed to um, I saw at the turnaround point it was like one massive group of like seventeen people I think that was uh, uh, like the front group then there was like three off the back of that and then there was like another pack of like four of that. And after about 100 Ks in, I uh, managed to uh, bridge up to like 11th place in the race. And the, uh, I think it was 14th back then, there were, but there were a couple of guys that got dropped from the main pack, like your uh, group, and then they yeah. just DNF'd. 
why why are there so many pros that's what i i don't get i think because in the end we were 30 or something like that pros in the start line and something like 17 finished so 13 pulled out why do you think so many people pull out I think they just, they go too hard and they go all in. And I think a lot of people, like for instance, like I could see the people that some of the people that were chasing me down when I was in the in the group, you know, to like when, when they kept bringing me back after an attack, mm-hmm. they just go too hard and then they just literally can't run. They end up walking it or they just don't. But don't you think then you should be, I mean, they've done the damage themselves and then it's like, well, I've come all this way, I've done it all. Like, I mean, of course, if you feel completely depleted and empty, you could do it, it could pull out. So, but some guys always pull out. And I think it's got to do with something with mentality as well. Like, uh, you're paying your trip, you're paying the hotel. There's just so much cost going in there. I want a finisher medal, you know? <laughs> like I was, I mean, on the marathon, the it was absolutely boiling because it was raining all day. I spoke to so many age groupers, they, even they said, they're from around, they said it was mad, it was so hot and humid. Um, I just couldn't cope with it. So I had a shocker of a marathon. Like it's my worst marathon ever. But anyway, I was just either if I had to walk, I'm going to bring this one home because there's just so much money I've paid for this that I want to just finish it. Yeah, it was. It's uh, just really easy to, to, to say, all right, it's not my day. I'm, I'm, I'm gone, isn't it? It was uh, really strange because in the morning it was like pretty cold and like wet. It was like, I don't know, pretty 16, 17 degrees, but chucking it down, wind blowing a gale. So the the, temp, the the field light temperature was probably like 12 degrees, uh, which is pretty nippy. And then... Uh, in the afternoon, like the heat of the day, it was probably like 22, 23, but it was like, which doesn't sound like much, but it was direct sunlight and like 85% humidity. So it was like mega humid and like coming from Europe, you definitely noticed it. Like I could see my heart rate was higher. I mean, I keep going back and like thinking like taxi, like I've thought about this race so many times, I'm really disappointed about it and uh, definitely going to use it as motivation for St. George. And uh, I wonder if I should have just backed my run and, uh, sat in there like I was trying to get away quite a few times and I knew that if I could just get two or three minutes and I could probably win the race and uh, I've thought about it loads like literally since and I can't stop thinking about it it's uh, really frustrating and I think that's the thing with Ironman you have a bad race or you don't perform as well as what you want to and uh, it kind of just grinds on you and uh, it's not like where you do like a 5k run you can go out there you know the next week and do another one you kind of have to wait but I wonder if I was just too uh keen to break away and a bit too desperate to break away and trying too much and I should have just sat in backed my run I've done some good runs in the past and just saved my energy I mean for me it's a lot of learning uh, a big learning uh, thing and uh, I guess it's better to have the race like this out here where you make a few mistakes tactically and uh, not in St George and uh, it's definitely going to motivate me going forwards for that race. Mm-hmm. And were, were there any points in the race where you were thinking like I can't push any harder. I'm still fourth and um, everyone's thinking I'm the favourite. I should win this. I should just pull out. Uh, I was thinking I might end up walking. I wasn't thinking of pulling out, but I was definitely thinking, God, I might have to walk. My legs felt awful at the start. But it was so. But the thing is, uh, I kept what made me pushing a bit harder on the bike was when you were sat in and like going back to the pace thing, it was like so easy sitting in that you were like almost thinking like, God, other guys like really tired on the front because I was sat in, I was doing it at some points like 210, 220 watts. And I'm literally, that was in the headwind bit, barely pedaling. I'm literally on the brakes almost. That's the, one of the big things, what we, what a lot of us are saying, why we need 20 meter draft zones, because I don't think it's good for the sport that you can sit in the wheels mm-hmm. and be not, instead of worrying about putting the effort in to stay there, you're worried about braking 
because you're going to go too close that to, you're going to get a drafting penalty. And this normally would be a bike course that would suit really strong cyclists because um, it's just so windy and well, tough. The and there's is, no let up on this course. We actually it? went pretty quick. Like I had a look because we did the same course as the 70.3 Worlds that were mm. here in 2018. So after that, I kind of had a look to see if there was any positives. How did I ride compared to when the guys rode the course in 2018? And it was like a decent time. Like I mean, the fastest guys that were in the lead pack rode five and a half minutes faster than what my heart, you know, if you cut my time down the middle and like, you know, that was what I, the, then that was what I did for, you know, so basically I did 220. The fastest guys were like 204 something. So basically like five and a half minutes um, faster than what, if you half my time, what I would have gone through the halfway point now in the Ironman. But I was as quick as like Braden Curry, who got like six or seven quicker than some other decent cyclists. Mm -hmm. And that's obviously for double the distance, you know, for kept it going for double. So yeah. we actually rode pretty quick and it was in tough conditions. So it shows that although some of the people were there, and that's the thing, like it is at some points, it is hard to stay in there. And like you can see some of the guys power up, but they still had to work hard. So I guess the level has gone up quite a bit and it is just hard to break away. I could have just done with like the hand of like someone else who was another strong cyclist to like, try and do it. Matt Troutman, he was very strong in the race, but it was so frustrating for me because every time I got away, he would be the one that would bring me back. <laughs> and I was like kicking myself thinking, why can't you just attack over the top or do something, you know, himself to get a, an advantage? I won't chase it down and I'll jump across because it, the most frustrating thing I think is when someone's strong and instead of like trying to attack and get away and build time and ideally me and him would have got away, worked together, put a decent amount of time into the chase group, they wouldn't have had someone who was pulling them along, um, which would have meant that they would have had to do some work. So they would have either run slower or they didn't do any work and that group would go even slower, so which would pay into our favours. And me and him could have sealed the deal, similar to what I did with Sam Long in Chattanooga and we ended up running between ourselves for first place. So it was like so frustrating that he kept bringing me back. It was almost like it was a domestic for Carl uh, <laughs> Buckingham and uh, Bradley Vice, you know, like every time I went up the road, he's like, don't worry, boys, I'll go and uh, I'll bring him <laughs> back for you. And uh, yeah, but I mean, that's racing, you know, like, you know, people are going to sit in. There's nothing against that. That's just people's tactics. You know, I could have sat in and didn't have to attack. And like, you know, if they want to bank on their run, you know, Bradley even said to me, his words were, sorry, man, I hated racing like a pussy, but I just wanted to get my Kona spot. And, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, well, like, get on him. Yeah, fair yeah, enough. Fair, fair you, play, yeah. At the end of the day, people are going to play their cards. And if they're not a, like as strong a cyclist or they want to like bank on the run, that's absolutely fine. I could do that. You know, some people are strong cyclists, but you don't mm -hmm. tell them off for attacking on the bike and say you should wait for the run. So, you know, it's just the disappointing thing for me is the tactics that I tried on the day didn't didn't work. And it's always like you think, in hindsight, I wish I could do this. And the thing that grinds on you is you can't, you don't get another chance. You have to wait for the next race. And it's just like, yeah, you can't you, do another one. Next yeah. Week. You just wish you could go back in time, knowing how this planned out with these tactics and just race it differently. Because I think I could have got a better result, but that's racing. You know, you've got, to, as well as being in good shape, you've got to do the, do the right tactics for you mm -hmm. on the day. And sometimes mm -hmm. it works, sometimes it doesn't. And, um, yeah, the uh, um, the the junkyard dog's been blown over to uh, Sierra Nevada. We've uh, seen uh, the the Norwegian train doing the junkyard dog. And yeah, uh, that's all from like an article that I did with Two Twenty Triathlon. Yeah, what was but, it? What was it about? That? Uh, it was basically like it, I think a lot of it's been a bit misconstrued because I was basically saying a lot of people are thinking that, uh, that I'm saying that I'm gonna uh, be the one that like beats them and makes the Norwegians look silly in St. George. But basically what the article was about was, and it was called the guy who'd wrote it called don't believe the Norwegian hype. And um, it's basically a lot of people are given uh, almost saying 
the Norwegians are going to win the race before it's happened. And nothing in triathlons are given. I mean, like, for instance, Carl Buckingham, his rating in this race, if you looked at the PTO rankings, he was over 100. He was like 104th place going into this. Mm-hmm. But then he ran a 241 and won the race. But you wouldn't, if you looked at the, you know, so a lot can happen. It's not as it's not as straightforward as, you know, oh, so-and-so's done well at one race or he's done well at this, he's going to easily win. And I think there's a lot of other guys. I mean, we've got Jan Fredino, you've got Alistair Brownlee, you've got Sam Long, who's gone great form. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm going to be there. There's some other, there's loads of others. There's at least another five or six other guys that are uh, going really well. Probably more than that, more than that, to be honest. Um, and uh, I think that people are basically saying, that it's going to be a two-horse race between Gustav and Christian, and uh, I think there's going to be a lot more to it. I think the swim in St George is going to be very fast, and uh, I don't think Alistair and Jan are going to want like. What do you think? Going to want to swim with Christian because well, you know probably they want to get ahead of him. They want to get ahead yeah. of him, and people are going to get be racing. Gap, yeah, I think people are going to be racing against them quite a bit, like what I found felt like I had in South Africa. You know, because when mm-hmm. other people attacked and got a gap in this race, it was like they didn't care. They let him go, but then as soon as I did anything, they followed him, and I think it's going to be very similar to that in St. George. And then the problem is what they might have is if they try and attack, people watch them. But then if someone else attacks, so say like someone who's a decent athlete, I can't think someone off the top of my head, and he runs like fairly well. Say you've got someone who's a good spot cyclist, they run a 240 to 242 marathon. So they're mm-hmm. not like a sub 240 guy, but they're that. If they attack, the other people might be thinking, well, I'm not going to worry about them because I'm just watching Christian and Gustav. So they've got their eyes on Christian and Gustav. So then do Christian and Gustav chase those guys down because they don't want them getting too much. They might do that, but then they're going to end up burning their legs because it might not hurt the first time, but then if they have to do it five, six times, it is. And if they don't chase them down, could this guy maybe team up with a few other people and end up getting three or four minutes? Mm -hmm. And then that's a critical amount because they've got three or four minutes, but then plus Christian and Gustav are getting off the bike with people like Jan, Alistair. I mean, Jan's been going to Altrude quite a few times already. Who knows what he's done? He hasn't done any racing yet. No one really has any idea what the form he's in. He could be incredible. And he's shown in the past that he can peak for uh, the big races. Yeah, he can like, peak for like one specific Yeah, race. so he could be absolutely flying. So would they really want to take their chances running against Jan off the bike? I mean, they could beat him. They could not. It's a risky, it's a lottery, isn't it? You know, it's like mm-hmm. when I was thinking in South Africa, like for this race, I was thinking, well, I could stay in the bunch and back my run, which has been pretty good. But then I'd be kicking myself if I end up getting second. Obviously, second was better than what I ended up getting. But ultimately, I wanted to win the race. And I knew that my best chance was to get a couple of minutes on the bike. And then I was pretty sure that I was confident doing it. And if you get off the bike and there's, say, seven or eight of you, it's a, it's a massive lottery. And yeah. it's almost like you do, you, you've you got to have a great race. But then you've also got to hope that someone else doesn't have a breakthrough race or, you know, mm-hmm. themselves. Well, you can never never say uh, beforehand. One thing I can say is um, his junkyard what, dog sounded th- like I a, just it sounded to like say Father that, Christmas, didn't it? Like training looks like it's all right, but the junkyard dog sounded like Father Christmas. But everyone needs to get into it. Like you need to practice it a couple of times. And I think he's got still got five more weeks. So in Saint George, do you think if I see him, if it, say imagine if I ended up say if I got a lead on him on the bike and yeah. then he caught me on the run. Do you think he would junkyard dog me as he came past? Yeah, do you think I, he'd think, do that now? I think he would. He would do it. Well, do you think yeah. it would be like a ho ho ho, or do you think it would be more aggressive? Uh, I think was it, it actually a ho ho ho? Was he saying yo yo yo? Was no. he teaming up Sam Long? Yeah. Like, I was wondering if he like Sam Long no, even said, "I think he's on Team Long." Yeah. <laughs> no, it wasn't more like a ho ho ho, but I think it's the altitude, the cold, and uh, like being close to Christmas. Just make but, sure you wrap up, Christian. We don't want you getting down, coming down with a cold and yeah. like it ruining your last <laughs> bit of prep. We're we're just looking out for you, man. Hundred percent. 
he'll bark at you like a dog and say enjoy. He'll bark at me like if a dog. If he comes at... Uh, 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 Do you think Gustav would junkyard dog me? I'm not sure. I'm not sure how uh, how his how his bark if is. I, I past- think he's more like Jan Fredino. Yeah. Like, he peaks. He peaks to that one specific bark. I think he's yeah. going to peak towards the bark. But would he bark at me if he came past me? Uh, he could do, and it could be a very dangerous bark then. But then yeah. you don't know. Like He'd be you don't more know. Of a, he's more of a pit bull, and the other one's a bit more like. Yeah, my he doesn't really show fish. his his bark form before the race. That is the, that those are dangerous. If I went past them, do you think I should uh, bark at them like a dog or do the neigh? Um, yeah. Well, depends on the, if you pass him on the bike, you should do the neigh. If it's on the run, you should do the bark. The bark. Yeah, the pit bull. I think that should be the tactics. Uh, speaking of pit bull, uh, that would have been that would that was the lucky thing, I guess, in the race. That when uh, the guys overtook me, they ended up getting the podium. I was actually in the portal. I had to quickly stop and go to the loo. So they never came past me. So I actually probably escaped getting a junkyard dog to me. Because could you imagine? Oh, Carl might have came past me. He might have done a junkyard dog. And I would have been unable to react. Oh, I would have been oh, like, that would have been yeah. even worse, isn't it? If someone does a junkyard dog. Because you get dog, tricked by your own. Yeah. By your own. Uh, if someone yeah. junkyard dogs you, you want to at least be able to react and go with them, don't you? Like, you know, yeah. they go, oh, oh, oh. And then you're like, I can't. You'll be like a cat <laughs> running away. <laughs> Um, anyway, um, there's no bullshit buster this week, Joe, because, um, um, but I do have a really nice... In- Isn't the bullshit buster Father Christmas? Is it- People said that he's not true, but we've seen pictures that he's in Sierra Nevada training at, like, altitude. What, what? Ho, ho, ho! <laughs> <laughs> um, 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 well, the bullshit buster is, oh no, the Instagram post of the week... I'm looking at a video of Oceanside, the sprint finish, and everyone sees Lionel Sanders and Rudy Van Berg absolutely motoring along for that second place. But what a lot of people didn't see, or did see as well, is there's a camera guy with like a 20 kg camera just sprinting as fast as them, making look professional triathletes. Yeah, I, I, when I was watching this, I thought that was Alistair Brownlee in the background. <laughs> and me and Laura were like, oh my God, Alistair's just behind them as well. Is he going to come out? And then we're like, oh no, it's a bloody cameraman. It's crazy. If you see how fast he's running. So I wonder, what was his prep in the build-up for this race? Actually... Yeah, that's uh, that's a good point. He's definitely done some sprints. That guy is a machine. He's, uh, I reckon, he was a co- one of them like American college runners. All Americans, they call them, don't they? They call you them know, all Americans or collegial runners. What is it? Collegiate, collegiate swimmers or something. He was a collegiate five k runner. He used to do cross. But he isn't university. even wearing vapor flies. If he were, that's the thing. Um, he probably fought a forehand before the race. Like, mm, if I put vapor flies on and I've got the camera, I'll then I'll probably, yeah, I'll, I'll probably outrun them. And it's bad for the camera footage because you want also, it from the back, right? Going back to that that post as well. The funny thing is, what a lot of people have said, there was no line on the ground. So yeah. they're sprinting for a finish line, but actually, where is the finish line? There's no finish line on the floor. It's all like so. And some people have said they took it from the chip. For, all right, fair point. They take it from the chip. But does the chip signal vary between chip to chip? You know, because obviously it's got to get a signal from one thing to the other. Yeah. So they said 500 for a second. Could that be the difference between a good chip and a bad chip? But also, surely you need to have a line that you actually go for mm-hmm. because you're sprinting, you're sprinting. Obviously, you can tell it's like somewhere around the arch, but when it's that close, it's almost like just before Lionel's foot come through, Rudy's would have been in in, in front, but then could, uh, you know, uh, potentially you'd, you, it could be, you could give the win to someone or the second place or whatever in that mm-hmm. case, but it could be the other person that would have got it. You know, I think you need a line, but actually going back to that race, like I actually thought that was uh, quite interesting how it ended up panning out, like Oceanside stacked 70.3. I just want to go into this before we uh, go off because obviously a lot of the Kona or St. George contenders raced there, 
that race. Like you had Lionel Sanders. And before the race, we were really interested in seeing how he goes because we were taking the mick a bit, weren't we? LT1, LT1. Yeah, he was always running so, LT1, but in the race, LT3 all day, wasn't it? LT3 all day. And the funny, funny thing is about Lionel or in that race was apparently he lost all his nutrition. Yeah. So he had to go yeah. through the aid stations, slow down at the aid stations while the other guys had all their nutrition with them. So he biked roughly the same. I think it was about 15, 20 seconds in it, you know, to the front pack. Mm -hmm. But then he, every, the aid stations, he had to get his nutrition from it try and drink it, you know, drink it on the fly, lose it. But that's how it loses you a lot of time because you, if you've got nothing, you're going to have to make sure you slow down quite a bit, aren't you? Yeah. But that run, what he did, 108 on that it's course. Unbelievable. He took like almost two minutes out of uh, out of uh, Jackson Laundry and, and, and Brownlee up the front. Yeah. And what do you think about Brownlee's uh, tactics in the race? Like, you know, he was in the lead group, um, but then on the run, like, because like when I watched it, he like pulled away and I thought that he'd, I thought he'd got it in the bag, but then faded. Yeah, well... Um, do you think he went too early or do you think it wouldn't have mattered if he'd have stayed with them and waited and gone later on? Well, it's really hard to say because uh, maybe he would just have hoped that... I mean, Jackson Laundry is a good runner, isn't he? He always runs like 111, something yeah, like 110, that. Yeah, 110, 111, something like exactly. that. He's solid, so, yeah. um, But Alistair would have fancied his chances in running quicker Yeah, yeah, probably. Um, but maybe he had hoped to put a dig in and then break him mentally. One, they, they would give up and he would get a minute yeah. lead or something like something that. Something like that. <clears throat> do you think he? Do you think it would have been a different story if he'd have stayed with them and wait and waited until later, or do you think they would have got more confidence because they would have thought Alistair? Yeah, but I don't think yet. that's the way how Alistair wants to race. Like just um, uh, taking it easy on the run. And yeah, like but it wouldn't have been taking it easy. It's not easy, yeah. but like easier on the run. Yeah, but and then wait till till the end, and then put it again. I don't know. I I just think whenever he sees a chance, he's just all right. I'm just picking it up for a bit, and then uh, I want the full but, coverage for um, myself. But he might have been working hard if he was staying with them. Because they only run what they run one ten something, didn't they? Mm -hmm. Anyway, so it would have still been he was working. But do you think it would have been a different result if he'd have actually stayed with him? Like, regardless of how he wanted to race, um, do you think he could have won it if he stayed with him and say went with like either the sprint finish or with three k to go, picked up for a long run to home? Or do you think that that might have slowed them down and could potentially Lionel have caught them from behind because they all start looking at each well, other? Well, uh, yeah, definitely Lionel would have then. Uh, uh, because I looked up, at the straights and you think Lionel was only 30 seconds off winner, so he would have been seeing him for quite a long period of time, like in the distance, because, mm -hmm. you know, a minute is only, at that speed, it's only 300 metres. So he would have seen them running like just a minute ahead. And that probably. would awake the pit bull in him, like absolutely. Well, he, yeah, he would yeah. have been, I mean, he was, he did, he would have been seeing him anyway with how it was, but like if it was any, but do you think Alistair but, could have won? Well, it is a bit guesswork, isn't it? But I think he would finish his, uh, fancy his chances on a sprint. Like he's coming from short distance, so I think he's got some decent yeah, speed. Yeah, but work. I don't but think it still, works like you that, don't, I, Because the sprint, what they're doing at the end, isn't really that quick, nah, is that, it? Like it's, yeah, it's like a, a funny <clears> sprint, isn't it? Your legs are gone and you're trying But it's all, all guesswork because you don't know if he, um, even, even if he took it a little bit easier and didn't put that dig in, is he still able to pick it up towards the end? Well, yeah, that's what I mean. So, like, do you think he could have? Um, mm. Like you don't know. I I I, uh, I mean, you give what you give, and uh, sometimes even if you save yourself, you can't pick it up towards the end because you're like, it's been a long day, isn't it? I think it would have so. been interesting to see. It would have been interesting to see. Like it would have been. But uh, absolute awesome race, and also great to see like Jackson Laundry. Uh, um, well, I, he, he that's a breakthrough probably, result. Yeah, for him, a breakthrough result. Absolutely, yeah, definitely. Um, that is uh, that was a really really good run. And, and no one was really touting him, and <clears> it just shows that like how it can change around. Because I think he raced Challenge Miami, and he was I off the top of my head, I don't know, seven or eight, something like that in Challenge Miami. Um, but he was like seven minutes behind Sam Long mm -hmm. in Miami. So it shows, you know, 
didn't start off the season flying, but then obviously had the form, you know, so it's like, yeah. you've got can to... can always change on the day. It's all about the form on the day. And just so many things can change in a race. Well, and does it show the strength in depth, you know, mm-hmm. how like there's so many guys that are like, literally, they might be seventh one week, but then winning a race the next week, you know, there's like, yeah. it shows that there's a lot of people that are capable of winning these big races that can be as far down as sixth or mm-hmm. seventh. And then the next race they're winning. So I think the standard in triathlon is going up all the time. But not just at the front, where it's getting quicker. I think it's just getting a lot more strength in depth. I mean, yeah. even this race, three minutes between first and fourth in the men's pro race in an mm-hmm. Ironman, I think that's pretty much unheard of. Like, I don't know if there's been many Ironmans where there's been four people within three minutes of each other. And to be until uh, the last 2K of the race, or last 2.5K of the race, it was like a minute and 55 between first yeah, and fourth. Crazy. Like, that's very close. Three people within a minute well, and 10 seconds. Um. Anyway, I need to. It's one uh, one uh, p.m. right now. One a.m. I'm I'm literally not really functioning well today. Um, still need to pack my bags because the cleaning lady is knocking on the doors. And uh, oh yeah, we have got a low by the way. Oh, Joe's, Joe's mic is broken as well. What we also um, saw a woman. Uh, I met her at the start of the race. So before we've got an interesting one. I want you guys to get involved on uh, the Instagram. So I met a lady at the start of the race. She's a um, she's she's uh, training for she was training for her first Ironman, which was obviously Ironman South Africa. And before the start, she was having a cheeky fag just uh, outside the transition. And I started talking to her, and I was like, "Oh, are you, are you doing the race?" Because I'm thinking that's not usual that you see an Ironman athlete like having a fag, <laughs> like literally on race day. Fag is a cigarette for those yeah, that don't know. A I cigarette. Know. And she was uh, she said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I'm. It's my first one." And I was like, "Oh right, wow." Um, so I sat down a little bit away and then uh, I was listening to my music and then I can't remember, someone said to me, oh, did you hear that announcement? Did you hear that announcement? I'm thinking, what what announcement was that? Uh, and apparently it was something to do with the swim. So I spoke, to, I went over to her and I said, what did they say? Because I could see that she was uh, not listening to any music or anything. I said, did you see, uh, did you uh, hear the announcement about the, the swim? And she said, oh, they've cancelled it. And she was a bit disappointed because obviously your first time, man, you want to do the whole swim, bike and run, don't you? You know, you want to, it doesn't really, I don't think the swim necessarily makes it much uh, harder but like in your head it's just you're missing a big part of the race so she was a bit disappointed and i said well on the bright side at least you've got enough time to have another fag uh, <laughs> and uh, she laughed anyway she did the race and then we saw her in the after part in the uh, at the after party last night or at the bar and she said she had numerous fags during the course but she didn't want to do it out on the course while she was like walking or running she even punched she had a fag while they were fixing her puncher <laughs> out there she also had a few more i'm not going to say exactly how many more but she did the portly because she was respectable and didn't want other athletes to breathe in the smoke on the course yeah my question is how many cigarettes do you think she had check out the instagram you'll see the pack picture of me and tom with her and we want to know your comments how many did she have she did the race and she came in fourth fourth in her age group 12 hours, four minutes, single mum, three kids, and training for the and training training for the Ironman. That's pretty impressive. Ironman age group stories, so I love Ironman it. Ironman age group stories. Let us know how many you think she had in the 12 hours and four minutes it took her to do the race. All right, thanks for listening, everyone. Mozzarella's going out for 12-hour travel. Absolutely looking forward to it. So we've got loads of new lows of the week next week. All right, see you. Bye.